Today, we'll be talk, talking about, uh, or speaking from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there with me. Uh, Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. I'll be reading it, and then we'll be praying, and we'll be going into the sermon. Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to, praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this time. God, we look to you uh, as our provider. You are the God of the universe, sovereign Lord, who has no need uh, in yourself, but you graciously give us all things for us to enjoy to your glory. And uh, this time, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that we can gather as a church to hear from you through this time and get to be transformed and molded to become more like Jesus. So God, may your spirit stir up all of our hearts here so that we can hear clearly and stir up my heart and my lips so that I can uh, communicate your word, only your word, God, uh, clearly. But thank you, God. We look to you and praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Um, I know that the Thanksgiving is over, but when it was decided that I'll be preaching right after Thanksgiving, I felt convicted to uh, extend the, the season a little longer because I felt that it would be beneficial as a church to grow in gratitude uh, because I know I, I myself want to grow in this quality or the, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so uh, today, in this passage, I believe that um, you know, God can help us go deeper and go beyond just the rituals of yearly you know, listing of what we're thankful for around the Thanksgiving table. So that's my hope and prayer. Uh, with that, um, here's the outline for today's message. Uh, three points, actually three characters or the character groups uh, that I believe contribute to the main thrust of this passage. So please follow along with me. So first, first character, the God who shows mercy. Verse 12, it says, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. By the way, here, leprosy uh, in the Bible refers to any skin disease, not necessarily the, the leprosy in medical terms. Um, any skin disease that was a contagious, um, you know, 
upon touch or breathe, breathing. Uh, but throughout this, this message that I'll be preaching, uh, we'll just call these guys lepers, uh, as it is written, for you know, convenience sake, um, even though they may not necessarily have uh, the leprosy. And now, in ancient Israel, lepers could not belong to the mainstream society. Uh, there were you know, strict rules that separated them from the, um, the society, the community, uh, from the majority. Um, and they had to live in this special town designated um, for them. And as harsh as may, these rules may sound at first, uh, it may make sense. Um, you know, as a small nation and society at the time, Israel uh, had to make sure that its members are healthy, you know, so that it does not go into extinction, extinction but, you know, be sustained and uh, keep going. So understandably, they had to quarantine, you know, sick people in their society. And it's probably similar to uh, a few weeks ago when I got really sick. I didn't, I never got sick like that bad for a long time. And, uh, you know, I was coughing and having high fears, uh, high fevers, sorry, not fears, probably fears too, but high fevers. Um, and I could not approach Deb and, you know, the, the baby in the room at the time because I would put them in danger. And I think it's similar here when there's a, there are rules that said um, the lepers cannot approach other people. You know, it's because uh, it would jeopardize the whole community. But more importantly, theologically speaking, the separation of lepers signifies something deeper, just as, you know, anything about Israel pointed to something greater uh, in the reality of salvation history. The separation of lepers pointed to God's perfect purity and holiness, that he's separate from impurity and sin. That, that's what it signifies. So in the story, we see that the lepers encounter Jesus, it says, at a distance. So that makes sense. And with that background in mind, now just imagine with me here the effect that the skin diseases and the resulting separation would have had on these lepers. I mean, physically, of course, you know, they were in pain and in anguish and discomfort. But socially, too, you know, they could not mingle with others but were ostracized and stigmatized, and perhaps even from their own family members. You know, some people on the streets might have avoided them like a vermin, and some people might have made fun of them or even persecuted them as if they were cursed. So you could imagine all their lives, they had to feel lonely, isolated, and deeply ashamed of themselves. So these lepers had some serious needs in their lives. And you can imagine the strong longing that they had for healing because that would mean that they would be finally accepted, finally included in the community they were called to in the beginning. So you can see in verse 13, you can hear that desperation in their, in their calling. It says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're saying, We've heard that you're a miracle worker. Do something. I'm in misery. I'm lonely. I'm afflicted. Do something, Jesus. So now, will Jesus show mercy in response to their call? So let's look. Verse 14. It says, When he saw them, 
he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. At first glance, it may sound strange that Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priests instead of just saying, be healed, like he, you know, did in other passages. Well, in Old Testament law, lepers, after being healed of their skin diseases, uh, they had to show themselves to the priests, and the priests would examine them just to make sure that the, the diseases were indeed cured and they were safe to go back to the community. So what, what's happening here is that Jesus is basically guaranteeing the outcome, but guaranteeing the fact that they would be healed, so they might as well start heading over uh, to the priest and start the process of restoration and reinstatement. And the lepers listen to his you know, command and start heading over, and they experience the miracle of healing. And can you imagine the excitement they must have felt? You know, no more isolation, no more, you know, pain, no more, you know, stigma. They're now accepted, and people will now talk to them normally without ridicule. They can even touch them. Um, so that's what's happening here, and what we see then is that Jesus did indeed listen to the cry, the request of the lepers, and granted their wish. And here, I want us to pause, and we, we have to learn something about God's character here through this miracle. That is, that God sees our affliction and cries. The, the text says that Jesus saw them when the lepers called for healing. Him seeing these guys in need. And this reminds us of another story in the Bible. Uh, in Genesis 16, we encounter a female servant named Hagar, if you know the story. Um, you know, she was running away from her master, Sarah, and her harsh treatment of her. And in her misery, Hagar called out to God, and, you know, God, you know, met Hagar, um, and, you know, she saw that God saw her in her affliction. So, Genesis 16, 13 says, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Meaning from Genesis 16 and also from our main text here, God is a merciful God who sees people in need, who sees people who are in pain. He does not ignore our troubles. He does not just gloss over those who are suffering. His heart would go out to those who are in those situations, and he would care for them in the way he deems best. Sometimes his care would look like immediate healing and physical provision, like the case of the lepers in our text. Or at other times, he might seem like he's not really caring because he's not really giving us what we want immediately, but perhaps in reality, he is actually giving us what's, what he knows to be best for our lives. In, in either case, God sees us. That's his character. He sees and cares for his children, his creation. 
Um, but going even further, we know that the ultimate mercy of God, the ultimate seeing, ultimate compassion of God is displayed on the cross. Verse 11, uh, going back to our text, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Here Luke states that Jesus Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Um, And in fact, Luke repeats this phrase, Jesus heading over to Jerusalem, several times in this section of his book, indicating that during his ministry on earth, Jesus set his mind on heading to Jerusalem where he would be crucified and die for the sins of the world. What that means is that Jesus saw the ultimate, the greatest need of the humanity, namely the inability to approach God and enjoy God personally because of their sin. So he provided for that need, again, out of the seeing of the affliction, even if that meant that he had to sacrifice himself and die the gruesome death on the cross. So that is... God's character, and that's what he is like to us in application. You know, all of us are spiritually lepers. We are separated from God because of the impurity of our sin. And yet, God in his mercy, he still provides for our needs and give us all the good things in our lives. Acts 14, 16, and 17 says, In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet, he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven, fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Meaning every single blessing we enjoy in our lives, whether it's our families and friends, work, school, you know, good food that we can Instagram about, you know, roof over our head, and for me, hot water for showers because we lost hot water last night because our water heater broke. I'll get to that later in the sermon. But you see, every single thing that we might take for granted, they are all gifts from God despite our sin because of his sheer mercy. And again, The ultimate mercy is found in the invitation of salvation through Jesus. So that is who God is. And that's what the healing of the lepers point us to in the story. Now, the question uh, I want us to wrestle with in the remainder of uh, this passage is this. How should we now respond to the mercy of God? What is the right response? And that's what we're going to see. And the two characters exemplify that. First, the grateful. Verse 15, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And one of the lepers found, found that he was healed of the disease that made his life miserable. And now he praises God meaning he was identifying God to be the one that healed him in mercy. And then he turns around and raises his voice to praise God, meaning that 
he's taking action about what he was convicted of in his heart and mind. Verse 16, uh, he goes on and says, And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Giving him thanks. And now, just imagine with me here, because there was no video camera back then, Luke is describing a scene for us with, uh, with words, the best, as best as he can. Here, just, you can even picture his falling down, the leper is falling down at the feet of Jesus, just overcome with emotion, casting aside all the pride and you know, shame, all of that, because he's just so thankful. And he is just so humble to see that Jesus saw him and healed him. And he earnestly thanks Jesus for the mercy and praise him. And then, interestingly, in response, Jesus says this. In verse 19, we'll jump over there. It says, he said to him, uh, Jesus said to the leper, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh, if you look, if you have the ESV Bible, uh, in its footnote, it says that it can be also translated, your faith has saved you, saved you. Uh, what it means is that the faith of the leper went beyond just seeing Jesus as, you know, miracle worker, that, he's, that he went beyond seeing him as someone that could give him what he wanted. His faith instead was a saving faith, in that when the leper saw Jesus and what he did for him, he came back for Jesus, establishing a personal relationship. And, and now he regards Jesus, calls out to Jesus. Luke is brilliant at explaining, picturing this by using the device of space in his writing. Uh, meaning, notice here back in verse 12, uh, it said the lepers... Uh, along with this particular leper, called out to Jesus at a distance, space, right? Distance between Jesus and the lepers. But now, in verse 16, this leper falls at his feet, very close. And Luke is trying to describe, now Jesus and this leper are no strangers. There's no more separation. There's a relationship that can happen because of this faith that this leper head. So in all of this, Luke is trying to show this, that this leper as a saved person is demonstrating for us how people who know and follow Jesus should respond to God's grace and mercy in our lives. Meaning, those who claim to know Jesus should be convinced that as spiritual lepers, they do not deserve anything from God. And because they know in their heart and believe that they don't deserve anything from God, when they do receive any blessing, any small or large blessing in their lives, they're just so thankful and they explode in worship. And, and this leper is exemplifying that. And that is the picture of Christian lives. Um, I know I have used this example as, uh, uh, for this concept before, but um, at a retreat that I went to, it's a while ago, I think I was in college, I went there as a counselor, and uh, I, I met this guy named uh, Chris, 
and he always had his hat on at the retreat. Uh, and, and later I found out that he passed away after the retreat. And uh, what happened was this. He was uh, terminally ill, and uh, uh, him and his parents consented that he would spend uh, the last few days of his life, uh, or, or portion of it, uh, at this retreat. And I heard from others that Chris had a great time. He enjoyed the retreat, uh, especially during the worship time um, when they sang the song uh, Sing Like the Saved by uh, David Crowder song, David, David Crowder band. It's one of those like upbeat songs and you know, people jump up and down um, type of song. And uh, apparently, you know, he was, again, very ill. He was like you know, praising God during that you know, worship time and he was like jumping up and down and he would just pass out. He would like fall down, he would faint on the floor and he would get back up, keep praising God. And again, uh, a few days later he passed away. Uh, for me, uh, that example always stuck with me because it challenges me. When I see that this guy, he literally sang like the saved should. He was giving all, his all to God. And, and when I see that, I ask myself, do I worship like that in my life? Am I that thankful enough to worship like that and even risk my life? Do I do that? So again, just like Chris, just like the leper, Luke here is challenging us and showing us what it should look like if you are truly are following Christ. And now, so that's one response to God's mercy. We look to the second response, the ungrateful. Um, so after describing what the leper did to give thanks to Jesus, Luke says this about him in verse 16. Uh, he says, now he was a Samaritan. It, it's as though Luke has been waiting for this moment. He's been concealing this little fact about this leper because he wanted to highlight this fact at the end. You see, Samaritans were ethnically half-breeds between uh, Jews and you know, other ethnicities in the region. And theologically, uh, they only revered the first, um, first five books of the Bible called Torah. Um, and they had different place of worship than Jerusalem in Samaria. So Jews looked down on them, obviously, for you know, ethnic reasons and theological reasons. And they even despised them to the point that they avoided traveling through this region called Samaria. Lots of disdain here. So when Luke declares that he was a Samaritan, the Jewish readers might have been very surprised and even confused and even appalled by the fact. They would have said, no way could this low-class fellow be a model for us in terms of how to worship God. No way could this theologically uneducated guy uh, get it right like that when we don't. And, and even further from there, look now uh, at how Jesus responds to the Samaritan after he gives thanks to him. 
verse, uh, verses 17 and 18, it says, um, Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You see, it's, it's a little strange, isn't it? You know, this, the, the verses that comes right before this were about this one Samaritan leper. Uh, but here, the response of Jesus is about the other nine. He's skipping over the Samaritan. He's focusing on the nine, the other nine lepers who did not came back, come back to give thanks to Jesus. And it's obvious that the nine were Jews because Jesus singles the Samaritan out as a foreigner in verse 18. So what, what is Jesus doing here? Why is he talking about the nine lepers rather than this one particular Samaritan leper who just gave thanks to them? The only plausible explanation of why Jesus focuses on the nine lepers here is that he wants to use the Samaritan example to rebuke the Jewish lepers as well as broadly the Jewish people at the time because the Jews were privileged. You know, they were entrusted with the law and covenants of God all throughout Old Testament. You know, they had the full, instead of the, only the five books of the Bible, they had the full Old Testament scriptures, so they were familiar with who God is. So they should know, they should know better about how they should respond to God's mercy. But they don't. They don't know better. They're actually worse than the foreigner. It's as though, you know, Jesus is saying to them, you should be ashamed of yourselves. This foreigner who does not have the privilege that you have gets it better. You should learn from him. Ouch. He's rebuking them. You see, the problem with the Jews at the time that is depicted throughout the book of Luke is that they had problem of pride and the sense of entitlement. That was their main problem. Because they meticulously followed the religious rules and they were relatively successful at that. They thought they were superior and they deserved and were entitled to more honor and blessings from God. So when God blesses them, they might thank God, they might praise God with their lips, but in their hearts, they would give credits to their own rule-keeping, their own moral lives. No wonder, then, the response of the Jews to God's blessings you know, would not be as heartfelt as the, the worship of the Samaritan because they are not really thankful to God. Rather, they're more thankful to their own efforts. They're more proud of their own abilities. That's what's happening in their hearts. I heard this little story from a, a Christian apologist, uh, Ravi Zacharias. Um, he goes, uh, Muhammad Ali, um, a successful boxer in the past, uh, was on an airplane, and apparently he was not wearing a seatbelt. And a flight attendant came up to him and asked him, 
that he uh, buckled up. And to that, Ali said, Superman does not need a seatbelt. And to that, the flight attendant privately responded, well, Superman would not need to ride a plane either. You know, I thought this little exchange exposes the illusion that the Jews were living under. Meaning, you know, just because they were able to keep certain rules and they got respect from people, in their eyes, they were Superman. You know, in their minds, they were able to do all those things to be good and moral. And they even thought that God owed them good lives because of their morality. In that system of thinking, they can never fully give God praise and thanksgiving. Why? Because deep inside, they are the supermen that deserve worship and thanksgiving, not God. But you see, in this passage, it's very interesting, isn't it? That just like the flight attendant to Ali, God comes up to them to remind them that they are not supermen. Because supermen would not have needs to be met, right? But the Jews do. They need God to provide for them in order to live and do anything. And as sinners, again, spiritual lepers, no matter how good they think they are, they do not deserve anything from God except hell and punishment. So God does not owe them anything, and everything they have in their lives are undeserved mercy from God to them. And you see, if they really got this, if they really read this story and got convicted and understood this amazing reality that they don't deserve anything, but it's only God's mercy that provided them everything and even their morality, they would have joined the Samaritan and worshipped and gave thanks to God. And now, I want us to apply this for ourselves too. You know, if Jesus was rebuking the Jews in this passage, I believe that Jesus can likewise be rebuking us in this room, you know, Christians and, you know, non-Christians alike. Why? Because like the Jews, we in this room have the privilege of being exposed to God's word a week in and week out. In fact, we are more privileged than the Jews because we have Jesus, the full revelation of what God is like, who God is. And because of that, we know much more than the Jews. And even further, our scriptures, they thought their scriptures were full, complete, but no, our scriptures, because of the revelation of Jesus and apostles, our scriptures have more completion, more complete qualities and, and knowledge than theirs was. So we should know better about how we should respond to God's mercy in our lives. But perhaps, just like the Jews at the time, it is our pride and sense of, sense of entitlement that are hindering us from really worshiping God and being thankful. Meaning, I think of 
the, the air that we breathe in, meaning the culture that we live in, which is American culture, that says, you know, we work hard. We work hard, and, you know, if you made it through your hard working, you deserve it all. That's yours. You, you achieved your dream. You enjoy it. You know that mentality? You give input and you get output. And also technology these days, too, may make us feel like we are supermen, that we can achieve many things with our own efforts, feeling self-sufficient, not really needing God. So we might think that God owes us good lives because we are good, hardworking people. It's hard for us to be truly thankful in our hearts because deep inside, we see that we give ourselves credit for good things in our lives, things that we think we achieve. So thanksgiving is hard. So it's only when, just like Jesus exposes in this passage, it's only when we truly agree with the scripture that we are spiritual lepers, really not deserving anything good from God, and yet somehow in God's crazy mercy, unfathomable, somehow he loves us, blesses us with all the good things that we enjoy in our lives. Only then we can join the Samaritan and fall down in humility and worship our Lord and give him true thanks. And as I'm saying this, to be really honest, I know I struggle a lot in this area. And like I said earlier in the beginning of the message, this is one of the reasons why I want to preach about this passage because I want to grow too in this area because I lack so much. For me, when things do not go my way, I'm just so ungrateful and grumpy. I think that, you know, when I put X amount of effort, then, you know, things should go my way with no hindrance, with no injustice to my plan. Like, for example, um, you know, again, my water heater broke yesterday out of nowhere. And my first thought was like, are you serious? Are you serious? No hot water for my showers? Man, I deserve hot water for every shower that I take. I deserve it. No. After initial frustration, and again, as, as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, no, I do not deserve hot water. I do not deserve anything in my life. It's all God's mercy and his patience, his goodness to me that I can enjoy anything in my life. And as I'm saying that, I really hope that we can fix that water here soon. Uh, but we'll depend on God's mercy there. So I don't know about you, but in light of this passage, I really want to dig deep into the root of my heart. As Jesus is rebuking me, as I'm preaching from it, that I want to go back to the foot of the cross, where I got to see that I'm a undeserved recipient of God's grace. Apart from God, I have no good thing. And from there, I want to grow 
I want to be more thankful. I want to be more filled with gratitude and worship in the daily lives. And, and let me challenge us too as a church. May we not squander away the privilege that we have of God's word, community, each other. May we use them all to grow in this area and become thankful church. Let's pray together. Let's uh, spend some time in prayer. Let's have God search our hearts. Um, the word of God is double-edged sword. Uh, like it says in Hebrews 4, it's meant to divide up our hearts and really see and examine what's in our hearts. And may, may that be the case as we have just heard from God's word. Um, so let's examine our hearts and have God um, do something in our hearts. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, your mercy. Thank you that um, whether we are far or near, you are faithful to us every single day but we see the ultimate display of your mercy towards us when we see the cross where while we're still sinners, Jesus died for us. Not after we repented, but before, while we're still sinners. So help us to come back to the cross, God, and help us to um, grab hold of the foot of the cross and see that we don't deserve anything, but it's your mercy that saves us, that sustains us, that will lead us home. Help us, God. Thank you. We'll close our time in prayer. Um, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It's a very appropriate, fitting passage to look at at this time of year. Um, I guess... Uh, I guess coming to church today and hearing a sermon on this passage is kind of like being one of the lepers that Jesus encountered, right? Because uh, as I hear about the mercy, the cross, everything it did for me, like how do I feel after the, after the sermon, right? Like as I sing the song, mercy, mercy, man, never, mercy. Um, is it like, uh, I guess there are two options. Like is there praise and worship that just wants to overflow and gush out of my heart, in which case we'd be, I guess, like that one Samaritan, right? Or is it like uh, mercy, 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 not really wholehearted singing, um, in which case we're kind of maybe like the, the nine lepers that were healed and didn't come back. So... Um, I don't necessarily think that the distinction is one was saved and the nine were not. Um, but, uh, you know, one was uh, maybe imminently more aware of the mercy that he received um, and the nine as opposed to the nine. So I, I, so, um, so I think it's, uh, it's good for us to hear a sermon like this if I recognize that I'm more like the nine than the one, okay? because it helps me to realize, man, there is more work to do in my heart. 
Like I really need to draw near to the cross and be reminded daily of his love for me. Um, and that's just how it works, right? Like if, if you go see a movie, uh, a war movie, you leave the movie uh, feeling maybe thankful for veterans, right? Like people who gave their lives for our freedom. Um, you go see Passion of the Christ, uh, cry, thank you for the cross, you know? Um, and uh, it's the same thing. Like it, it shows us that we have, we have work to do in our hearts. Man, I haven't been going to the cross. I haven't been going to, my, to the word of God. Um, I need to, I realize I need to be more thankful in my heart. So it just, you know, helps us realize there's work to do and exposes um, those kinds of issues in our hearts. Okay, so whether you're the one that you identify with the one or the nine, let's pray. Thank God for his word. And uh, even after Thanksgiving, God, I want to be more thankful for your mercy and your grace in my life. Let's pray for a moment before we close our time together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, your faithfulness to us, that you constantly feed us your word. We confess that it is so easy for us to be distant from you, even after having tasted the goodness of God. On a daily basis, it's so natural to keep that distance and to do the things that we want to do or to live feeling entitled to the things that we want in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would change our hearts and help us um, to really be near the cross daily as you invite us into intimacy with you, as you call us to closeness in relationship with you. We pray that we would receive that invitation and accept that invitation and draw near to the cross. Be with us. Even as we uh, close out this um, uh, Thanksgiving season and go into um, December and anticipating Christmas and the meaning of all of those things, Pray that in our uh, personal, spiritual relationship with you, that there would be an awareness and a quickening in our minds and our hearts that enables us to worship with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that makes these things possible. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this unchanging, covenant, faithful, tested love of the Father God, and the fellowship, and the strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit, be with you, both now and forever. Amen.